Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning and welcome to the First Baptist Church. We thank you for all those that are tuning in and watching and listening wherever you are. We're so thankful for you. Um, this message I've entitled The Two Evangelists, uh, commonly called The Two Witnesses. It's in chapter 11, which we're about to read. Just 14 verses today. It's going to be in two parts. We should finish next week, Lord willing, the whole chapter. Last week we learned uh, the Apostle John was told to eat a little scroll. Uh, it would taste like honey, but it would be bitter in his stomach. Now this symbolizes that the gospel message is sweet to those who taste it and receive it and are saved. But it's a bitter pill to swallow to those who reject it. And this we'll learn about the two witnesses, the two evangelists that God will send to preach the gospel, which is sweet, to the lost during the coming great tribulation period. So this chapter 11 continues. It's an interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpet judgment. Good morning. Today we'll be reading chapter 11, 1 through verse 14. It'll be on page 1924. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there. But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men have the power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have the power to turn the waters into blood and strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Now when they have finished their testimony, a beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. For three and one half days, men from every people, tribe, language, nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because the two prophets have tormented those who live on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, 
and they stood up on their feet, and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice come from the heavens saying to them, Come up here. And when they went up to the heaven in a cloud, while their enemies looked on, at that very hour there was a severe earthquake, and a tenth of the city collapsed. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe has passed, and the third woe is coming. Praise be to God. Thank you, Joe. So in verse 1, we learn that the Apostle John was told to go measure a temple, etc., and uh, the people and the courtyard and everything. This temple is not in heaven. We need to know that. It's going to be rebuilt on earth in Jerusalem at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period yet to come, uh, when the Antichrist is going to make a peace pact with Israel. And uh, in order to sweeten the deal, he's going to build a temple for them. Uh, the, apparently, they're getting uh, already, there's all the uh, implements and the, the things that will go in the temple already prepared. The Jews are still waiting for the temple to be rebuilt, and it will be on this earth. This is not a temple going to be rebuilt in heaven, but on earth in Jerusalem. It's going to happen, and they're going to do all the animal sacrifices in it like they used to in the Old Testament. So listen to uh, Zechariah chapter 1, 16. It says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, this is a prophecy regarding the rebuilding of the temple, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts. So it's a prophecy that will take place. And the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. John was told, take a measure and measure it, Okay. Now, when the temple is rebuilt, in verse 2, the animal sacrifices will continue, they will resume, during the first half of the seven-year tribulation. Then right in the middle, the Antichrist will turn on Israel, and uh, he will break that peace treaty with them. And it says, in verse 2 at the end there, the Gentiles will trample on the holy city for 42 months. So there's confirmation. What's 42 months? Three and a half years. Amen? This means the unbelievers, or in this case it says the Gentiles, uh, they that serve the Antichrist, him and them, those that serve him, his servants, those that follow him, and they'll be numerous in Israel and around the world, they're going to have complete control over that Jewish temple that was rebuilt in Jerusalem. The middle of the seven-year tribulation period, it says there, 42 months in, chapter, in verse 2. So in verse 3, it introduces these two evangelists, or the two witnesses. And uh, they're going to be sent by God to preach the gospel to the whole world. And it says for 1,260 days. So, coincidentally, no. This is how long is 1,260 days? Three and a half years, okay? During the second half of the seven-year tribulation period. It says that, verse 3. I'm not making this stuff up. 
Now, John says they will be clothed in sackcloth. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, a lot of the prophets uh, that were preaching to the people of Israel that were backslidden, they wore sackcloth and, uh, and put ashes on their face. So this is symbolic that uh, the people that these two witnesses will preach to, and that's everybody in the whole world, I'll tell you why in a minute, they need to repent. Sinners need to repent. If there's no repentance, there's no salvation. And how do we repent? We hear the gospel preached or prophesied, just like these two witnesses will. We come under conviction of our sin. Amen? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been under conviction of your sin? You realize you're such a sinner and you need a savior. And then we look to Jesus, who is the savior, and we call upon him. We turn from our sins to the savior. Amen? Amen. And receive him, and then we are saved. And this is what these two witnesses are there to do. Remember that he also will send uh, 144,000 Jewish Christians to give people the opportunity to repent and be saved during the tribulation period. So God has given them another chance through these two witnesses, whoever they may be. Let's find out, shall we? Verse 4, these two witnesses, they're referred to as two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Now, the prophet... Zechariah identified who these lampstands are. Two, the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. You can read that, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 14. Confirmation in Revelation, these lampstands. You know as well as I, I do what a lampstand does, amen? It's designed to spread the light. Likewise, that's what these two witnesses, these two evangelists will do. They will shine the light of the glorious gospel in the most darkest period in human history during the tribulation period so that they can be saved. God loves everybody. He hates sin but he wants everyone to come to repentance, but not everybody will, amen, unfortunately. So no matter how bad it gets, or how bad it will get, and it's going to be a whole lot worse, God always will raise up his faithful witnesses to preach the gospel in order to lead people to Christ by faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen? Amen. And uh, we learn in verse 5 that these two witnesses, they have power to defend themselves. Uh, anyone that tries to attack them, because uh, don't forget, the Antichrist and his cohorts are in control of the, this world system, and they hate God, and they hate Christians, and many tribulation saints will be executed, beheaded. We're going to learn more about that, Lord willing, in the future. And they hate these two witnesses. They're haters of God. They hate them. And uh, these two witnesses, they can defend themselves by consuming their enemies that try to attack them. 
by fire coming out of their mouths. It tells us that in verse 5, doesn't it? Like it you know, like a flamethrower. You ever seen a flamethrower? That's what it's going to be like, you know? Well, that'd be convenient someone try to attack you, wouldn't it? God bless him. Now, verse 6. Now, many people believe these two witnesses. Who are they? We don't really know. It doesn't tell us. We've got a pretty good idea. Some people believe, some Bible scholars, Bible teachers believe it's uh, Elijah and Moses. All right? Elijah, because he was able to stop it raining in Israel. Remember that? It says there in verse 6, they have the power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying, in other words, preaching. So they think, well, that's got to be Elijah. And they think the other one is Moses because remember Moses, one of the plagues that hit Egypt when he went there was he turned the river Nile into blood. Remember that? He was, he was able to do that. By the power of the Lord. Well, in verse 6 it says, And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. So they have a lot of power and it's been given to them by God who has supreme power. Amen? Amen. The devil doesn't have supreme power. He's only got so much that God allows for his reasons and his purposes. Personally... I believe these two witnesses are Elijah and Enoch. Enoch. Because the Bible says, as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment, neither Enoch or Elijah died physically. Therefore, in order to get their resurrected body, they would have to die. Amen? And in this case... The next verse, 7, tells us that these two evangelists, these two witnesses, will die. They will be killed. And he says, once they've finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. So this is not going to happen until they finish their mission. Right? So the whole world is going to hear the gospel. And then once that's done... They're going to be killed. It says the beast. Who's the beast? We know from scripture who the beast is. He's the other name for the Antichrist. Amen? Another name for the Antichrist. And God's allowing this and they are killed. They're martyred for their faith and their bodies are going to be lying on, in the street, in the public square in Jerusalem. It tells us that. In the great city. The great city is Jerusalem. And he says that this Jerusalem is figuratively or symbolically called Sodom and Egypt, meaning that Jerusalem will be as morally bankrupt as Sodom was and just as worldly as Egypt was. Okay, so that's how bad it's going to get in Israel but it's going to get a whole lot worse for them as we read on and find out what happens after these two witnesses are murdered in the streets 
in Jerusalem. Their bodies are going to be laying there for three and a half days, rotting in the main street, Jerusalem. Why? Because nobody cares enough about them to give them a decent burial. They were hated. They were despised by those God-haters that gloated over their death and mocked them as they were laying in the street, having been killed by the Antichrist, the beast. And this murder will be seen by millions of people, billions of people worldwide. It, this was unconceivable. People that would read the Bible years ago, they say, how is that possible? That everyone in the whole wide world would see this. Well, we know that it can happen now because of public media and television. We know exactly what's going on in Ukraine as it happens, right? So everyone's going to be tuning in and they're going to see them laying in the street. They're going to see them murdered, laying in the street. Whoopee! Good old Antichrist, he's the Messiah, he's, he's got all power. He's, he's wiped out these witnesses that God sent to try to convert us to his Jesus. No, thank God that, that they believe in God at all. Thank God that they're dead. You know, just like they mocked Jesus on the cross, you know. Uh, but then he rose again from the dead, amen? And uh, billions of people are going to see that due to the advent and the social media it was conceivable years ago you know before tv was invented it was impossible for that to happen and it says in verse 10 they're going to gloat the heathens they're going to gloat and they're even going to celebrate have a huge party whoopee because these two evangelists that they despised are now dead preaching the gospel that they didn't want to hear. And it says they tormented them. Why, did, why were these God-haters tormented? Because they didn't want to hear the message. They didn't want to hear the message. They didn't, it's not pleasant to be under conviction of sin. Now, you can either turn from your sin or you can stay lost in, in your trespasses and sins. You know, But they don't want to hear it. It's like people today, they don't want to hear the message I'm preaching. A lot of them don't want to tune into YouTube. I know people. I've got people that I know and love. They're not going to, they're not going to tune into YouTube even though they love me because I'm preaching the gospel, all right? And it was just like that with these two evangelists. It's been like that from the beginning of time. There's been numerous... Christians, Old Testament saints that have been martyred for their faith. Isaiah is one. He was sawn in two because he was preaching the truth. How about that? They've been martyred for their faith. So all the heathens, whoopee, they're having a worldwide party now. Let's celebrate. You know, we're all one. You know, let's, let's, we're all in one, one mind. Let's just celebrate the, uh, the, the death of these two evangelists, you know. And it says they're even exchanging gifts. Great. Just like it was Christmas. Uh, but whilst they're lying there rotting on the main street, Jerusalem, they're there for three and a half days, it tells us in verse 11. 
They're laying there for three and a half days. What does God do? He said he breathes the breath of life into them. The breath of life entered them and they stood on their feet. And then terror struck those who saw them. Can you imagine that? One minute they're celebrating the death of these preachers. And next minute they're, they're seeing them rise on their feet, stand up, alive. See, God breathed the breath of life into Adam, didn't he? You know, and that's what God does to us when we get saved. He breathes the eternal life into us when we receive the life, Jesus Christ. Amen. And he did the same to thee. These were dead. These were dead. But then so was Jesus. Amen. But God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. What a savior. He raised them back to life again, just like he did with Jesus. And to the astonishment of those that were rejoicing over their deaths, they're going to be struck with fear when they see them come back to life again and realize the awesome, almighty power demonstrated by God as he raised up these two witnesses back to life again. And uh, rightly so. They, they're going to be struck with terror because God is about to take vengeance on those that consented to their death, rejoiced over their death, celebrated their death, exchanged gifts, and allowed them to be murdered by the Antichrist. They had a party and they celebrated it. So let's read verse 12 again. Then they heard a loud voice, everybody that were there, and the two witnesses, they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. In other words, they were raptured. Amen. They were taken up. God says, come on, come on home. And they went from the street in Jerusalem to the street of gold in heaven. Amen. One day he's going to do the same to us. Going to hear that trumpet sound and we're gone. In, this, in their case, don't forget they died. So now they're resurrected. We're going to be resurrected too at the rapture. It's going to happen. And then the tribulation will begin. So there they are. They're taken up and they're all looking out. Mouths wide open. People tuning in think, my Lord, what has happened? And they see them going up. Ooh, the cameras are gone. I'm CNN. Boop, boop, boop. There they go. Sky News, the whole works. CBN, NBC. What's the other one? CBS. Thank you. And all those, no one said. Okay. From the street of Jerusalem to the street of gold. And some people say streets of gold. No, there isn't. Check it out. There's only one. It's only one street. Main Street, heaven. It's only one. I know there's a, there's a, a hymn that says the streets of gold. Now, sorry. I don't know what Bible th that person was reading, but okay. We'll give them a pass. Now, verse 13. We're going 
It's not going to be like a 45-minute sermon like last week. Oh, no, no. It's going to be shorter this week. Maybe. I don't know. Let's wait and see. Verse 13. I don't think I've preached that long in my life, by the way, so thanks for being patient. So what's going to happen now? Oh, they were struck with terror. They were struck with fear. And what happens? Verse 13. This is going to happen. It's not happened yet. At that very hour, there was a severe earthquake. And a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. And the survivors were terrified, gave glory to God. Within an hour of those two evangelists being raptured, resurrected from the dead, within an hour, God sends this mighty, massive, destructive, devastating earthquake. And it devastates a tenth of the city of Jerusalem. A tenth of it. And it kills 7,000 people and the survivors that are left they give glory to God knowing it was him that allowed this to happen and many hopefully will repent knowing what they allowed to happen or allowed the the antichrist to do with the evangelists knowing that they rejected what the evangelists were preaching to them rejecting Jesus Christ whom they crucified they'll realize God's demonstrated his power by sending this earthquake in vengeance, in retribution for killing those two witnesses. God doesn't play. He doesn't. He doesn't play. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Amen. And those that are left, they give glory to God. Demonstrated his power, bringing judgment on those sinners that perished. 7,000 of them that rejoiced over the murder of his two saints. They mocked their dead bodies that were rotting in the streets for three and a half days. Our final verse, which would be verse 14. We're told that the second woe has passed. The second woe has passed. And the third woe is coming soon. Obviously, future event. We haven't even studied this yet, but we will in the future. Now, this is all going to happen beginning right back in the middle of the seven-year tribulation period, the great tribulation. All these judgments are going to take place in the latter half of the seven-year tribulation period, three and a half years, called the Great Tribulation. So in chapter 9, if you remember, there's the first world judgment, which we've already studied. And that's when some wicked demon locusts, they're released from the abyss, remember that? And they torment the unbelievers during the tribulation period, remember that? They torment them. They've got these, these wicked demon locusts. They've got these stingers in their tail, and they're stinging the unbelievers, and they're tormenting them, right? Remember that? 
They don't kill them. They just torment them during the tribulation period. Now, remember, that was the first woe judgment. Now, the second woe judgment, which we've already studied, that would release, or will release, it's not happened yet, but it will, that's not going to bother us. We're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be taken out before the tribulation occurs. Four demon spirits, they're, they're let out of the Euphrates River, in that area anyway, probably the, the Euphrates River. It says the Euphrates. Well, we know the Euphrates is a river. And these four wicked, high-ranking demons... They're going to lead 10,000 mounted evil spirits that will kill, not torment, that will kill a third of the earth's population, okay? So that leaves, as John says in verse 14, the third and final world. We've already had the two. We've already studied that in chapter 9. It's going to leave the third and final world. What does he say? The second woe has passed. The third woe is coming soon. Did you know that Jesus is coming soon? Are you anticipating his return? You've got to be ready. Are you ready? For those that are you are listening, those of you that are tuning in, are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Christian, are you ready to be raptured? That's what we should focus on. Not what's necessarily going on in the world. We shouldn't be ignorant. But we really can't change anything, what's going on in the world. But we can only allow God to change us. Amen? Which he, he desires to do once we receive the Holy Spirit. He's in the business of trying to conform us to the image of his son. How's that working out for you? How's it working out for me? You tell me. I don't know. Am I more sanctified than I was 10 years ago? I would hope so. Oh, my word. Ooh. You know, when I came over from Papua New Guinea, and I used to teach Sunday school over at Moore's Corner Church. Jimmy wasn't very diplomatic. <laughs> Not at all. But I've tried to learn to be more diplomatic. <laughs> Whether that's working or not, I do not know. But the Lord's working on us. He's working in us. Greater he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. But one day, we're going to be like him. We're going to be just like him without this old sin nature to hinder us. Amen. They're all right. Where they are, they're all right. It's the one, us that are left behind that suffer. Amen. So, as John says, finally, in the last verse, 14, the final world judgment is coming soon. We haven't studied it yet. And this will happen when the seventh angel blows the seventh trumpet. I know it's confusing. And this is going to unleash what's called the bowl judgments. We've heard about the tr trumpet judgments, right? Soon. And very soon, we're going to learn about the bold judgments and what they are, Lord willing. It may take a while for me to get back. I don't know how long it's going to take after the uh, surgery. But um, we'll see. And we'll pick up there next week, Lord willing. Amen? And we'll finish this chapter.
by the grace of God. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we're so thankful again to be here in the house of the Lord. We thank you for everyone that's here. We thank you for everyone that's listening, wherever you may be. Thank you for doing that. And those of you that are tuning in, thank you. And uh, if you're unsaved, uh, this message you've heard and watched and listened to today, it's not by coincidence. The Lord desires to save your soul. He doesn't want you to go to hell when you leave this world. He wants you to be saved and go to heaven where the street is lined with gold and uh, there is no sin up there whatsoever. He doesn't want anyone to perish and end up in the lake of fire, which is the ultimate destination of unbelievers and the antichrist and the false prophet and the uh, demons and evil spirits. You don't want to go there. No one in their right mind with any semblance of uh, logic and sense would ever want to end up there, surely. You don't have to. Simply believe that Jesus died for you because you're a sinner. And he died, he took the punishment that you deserve on his own body because he loved you. He loved you so much that he shed his blood, his sinless blood that can wash away your sins. You can be forgiven. And you don't have to pay the price for the sins that you have committed, will commit, would do commit. Jesus paid that price. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all for you and for me. Those of us that are left, remember to remember we don't have to go through the tribulation. We're going to be taken out at the rapture, just like the two witnesses were taken out. God raised them from the dead, and they went up, in their case, in a cloud. Us, we're going to go up in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet sound. Help us to focus on that and serve the living God who loves us, enables us to live for him. And serve him like these two witnesses. Let us be a witness wherever God puts us and places us. He'll bring the opportunities into our life. Let's take the opportunity to share our faith, our testimony of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. 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 God bless you and Lord keep you. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.